All right, very good. Today, the title, It Is Finished. It is finished. I want y'all to use your imagination for a minute. I want y'all to imagine God and Jesus in heaven, Father and Son, right? They're taking a stroll. You know, they're doing the father-son thing, right? So they're taking a stroll or, well, okay, me and my father used to play a lot of golf together. So we'll just say they're at Heaven Country Club, okay? They're about to tee off on, on, on you know, the back nine or whatever. And uh, God and him, him and the father and son, they're having this conversation. And God tells Jesus, he says, listen, he said, uh, the people, they're just, they're not doing right. And they're going to have to die. They have to die. When he said that, he meant die spiritually. And Jesus looks at God and he says, no, don't do that. I'll take their place. Send me. I'll take their place. That's hard. To stand in in place of someone who definitely deserves to be punished, that deserves to be they deserve, we all deserve what it is that we receive. The sins that we commit, those are things that we have to pay for. But Jesus steps up again and says, no, I got this. I love my church. Send me instead. I want to fast forward 24 hours before Jesus' death. We're going to go there. This is after the Last Supper when Jesus takes the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, and they go to the foot of the Mount of Olives, which is the Garden of Yosemite. There he is telling his disciples to keep watch while he goes to pray. I want to pick up there in Matthew 26, verse 38. We'll do 39 right after this. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Verse 39, he went on a little further and bowed with his head, or excuse me, with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. After praying, he goes back to Peter, James, and John and only finds them asleep. He gets a little upset with them, tries to wake them up, and then we're going to go to Matthew 26, verse 42. He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He goes back again to Peter, James, and John, and they're, they're asleep again. And, you know, I thought about this a lot. You know, they just had the Last Supper, and, and I thought, okay, he went to them once, they fell asleep. He went to them again, they fell asleep. I mean, they were just they were tired, right? It was either that or they had too much wine at the Last Supper. It was one of those two. It's the only thing I can think of. Hopefully that wasn't the case, because obviously we know in leadership, not too much wine, right? But these disciples, they were struggling to stay awake. It was a major, they, Jesus obviously knew what was coming, but you've got to understand, these three disciples didn't know what was coming. You know, they're thinking, this is just, this is Jesus again. We come here, we pray all the time. He gets mad at us when we don't pray. He gets mad at us when we're not doing exactly the, the things that we need to be doing and following his guidelines and so forth. But we're human, right? We're all like these disciples. Again, they didn't realize what was coming, but obviously Jesus did. We're going to go to the next verse, Matthew 26, verse 44. So he went to pray a third time. 
saying the same things again. I need you to catch something. Jesus went three times to talk to his father and basically beg him to spare his life. Even Jesus was trying to change God's mind. Does that sound like anybody else you know? Don't we all do that? Don't we all do that? Can I see like some head nodding or something? I want to make sure, like, I'm not the only one, right? Like somebody else? Okay. You know, and it's so important, guys, that we always follow the direction of God. And obviously, Jesus knew this, but I don't blame him for going and asking three times. The pain and the agony that he was fixing to go through, and we'll get into more of that here in just a minute, I don't blame him. I think everybody in this room would have tried to do the exact same thing. Especially when we didn't deserve it. It was all because of someone else. At this time, he came back to the disciples, basically like, hey, you know, you guys are sleeping, thanks for nothing. You know, you hadn't, hadn't done anything this whole time. And he, he gets them to finally get up, and at that time, obviously, Judas, the betrayer, shows up with a company of soldiers. I want to go to John chapter 18, verses 4 through 5, and then we'll go to 6. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And Jesus said, as Jesus said, I am he. They all drew back and fell to the ground. I need you to understand something. Judas shows up with a company of soldiers. In those times, a company of soldiers was three to six hundred soldiers. It took that many men to go arrest Jesus. And it didn't help. Because all he had to do is say, I am he. And they fell. That's the power of the name of Jesus. That's what I get from this verse. That's something that you guys have always got to remember. Because of all he went through, it's the power of that name that can get you through anything. Amen? So Judas tells the soldiers that he will also give them a sign of who to arrest by kissing him. We go to Matthew 26, verses 49 through 50. So Judas come straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come to do. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. I want you to notice the word friend. I need you guys to understand that Jesus knew before he was even on this earth that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that. He knew that. Not only did he knowingly, he knows that this is going to happen, he still picked him as a disciple. He still washed his feet. And he still called him friend. We'll get back to Judas at the end of this. Now, after they took Jesus away, he spent hours on that, or excuse me, spent hours on trial. Finally, Pontius Pilate brought him before the people to judge his fate. There, Pilate gave the people the choice, releasing one of two prisoners. This was at a, um, a fair, you would call it, back in the day. And, and, and Pontius Pilate would come out, and the Romans, to try and show their grace and mercy, would release one of, their soldier, or one of the uh, inmates. So he gives them this choice. 
It's either Barabbas or it's Jesus. I need y'all to understand, Barabbas was an awful man. Biblical scholars say not only did he murder, he stole, he cheated, he was an evil, evil person. The people chose Barabbas. We all know this story. Again, we're going to come back to Barabbas at the end as well. After this, Jesus is stripped of his clothes and beaten to a pulp by the Roman soldiers. Show of hands, who has seen the movie Passion of the Christ? That's about as realistic as you're going to get it right there. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. Don't let your kids watch it though. It's a little, might be a little rough for your young kids. But I will say this, I think everybody in this world from the time they are 16 and older need to see that movie. Amen? After this, Jesus then walks half a mile down a road called the Via Della Rosa, which means way of sorrow, carrying a cross that weighed over 300 pounds. On this long walk, people are throwing things at Jesus. They're spitting on Jesus. They're cursing Jesus. Some biblical scholars say some of them were pushing him. We're going to come back to them too at the end. I'm not going to go where I wanted to go. Then he reaches a large hill called Golgotha, and there they nailed him to the cross. He's nailed to the cross by two thieves. These two thieves, one was wicked, didn't believe in Jesus. The other one truly believed in Jesus. Jesus tells him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Again, we'll come back to these two thieves as well. I'm almost done, Bojo. I promise. I'm still doing all right. Okay. Now it is recorded between the four Gospels that Jesus spoke seven times on the cross. I want you to go, we're going to go look at the last time Jesus spoke in the Gospel of John. I want to go to John chapter 19, verses 28. We're going to go through 30. This is 28 and 29. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked it on a sponge, uh, put it on a branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I need y'all to see something where it says it is finished. Y'all notice that exclamation point, right? Okay. In some different Bibles, some different translations, it says that he screamed, it is finished. I'm a movie buff, okay? Not as much as Bojo. That dude can quote like every movie in the world, by the way, but we were talking about, what was the one we were talking about this morning? What was it? Back, coming back to America or what, what was it? Yeah, yeah, he had it down, but I told him he couldn't talk like that up here at the pulpit <laughs> this Sunday. That's for our private conversations. Anyway, so, so who's seen Braveheart? Show of hands. Great movie, right? Great movie. Isn't that cool? Okay, I mentioned two movies, Passion of Christ and Braveheart, and that's Mel Gibson. Kind of surprising. Okay, but anyway, so Mel Gibson and Braveheart at the very end, if y'all remember, they asked him as they've beaten him to a pulp, they've stretched him out, they're fixing to behead him, right? And they ask him at the end, do you have anything else you want to say? And he screams out, freedom. That's what I envision here. That's the closest I can... That's the closest I can get to what this moment must have been like. I can just see him nailed to that cross. 
just screaming out, it's finished. A lot of people look at it's finished and, and they think that that's like a, a bad thing, right? But I did a lot of studying on these three words. It is finished in, in the Greek is, is one word. It, it takes us three words to explain one word in, in the Greek. I, get, I don't I guess they're smarter than us. I don't know. The Greek word for it is finished is testelestai. If I didn't pronounce that right, like I said last week, I'm not Greek. So just get over it. Just, y'all probably can't pronounce it any better either. This means a completion of a contract. That sounds good, right? Completion of a contract. This is a good word in Greek. In fact, Paul described this word in 2 Timothy as a word of achieving a major victory. Testelestai. Victory. I need you all to understand in the last moment of Jesus' earthly light, he's telling his father, I'm giving my spirit back to you. I also need you all to understand something else about Jesus' life. His life wasn't taken away. Jesus handed it over. He could have snapped his fingers and just come right off that cross. But he gave his life for us. When Jesus uses this word on the cross, guys, to stelestai, he is saying that the greatest victory to ever be accomplished on this earth just occurred. I need you to notice before I pass it over to Bojo. Jesus didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. <laughs> My boy Jesus was just getting started. Right. Amen? Right. Get it, Bo. If y'all haven't noticed, I've been over here like a racehorse at the gate going, come on, let's, <laughs> I'm going to skip the pleasantries. I will meet y'all at the back after service. We're going to get right to it. <laughs> we go from it is finished to one word sums up what I'm about to talk about, and that's the word hope. We go into the resurrection. The first two things still have to happen. The death and the burial still have to take place for the third thing to happen. That is where our faith lies, is in his resurrection. Uh, that gives us this hope, and I'm going to use that word a lot today. That gives us hope that the world doesn't know. And without that, our belief system has a hole in it. And I want you to hang on to that word because we're going to come back to that too. So Matthew 28, 20, y'all get, or 28, Verse 2, y'all get there quickly because we're fixing to keep moving. As I'm studying on this, the Lord showed me something. My eyes kind of wander sometimes. I have a study Bible, and there's a million words on each page. When I'm going into the resurrection, on the page to the left is verse, uh, chapter 27, and I'm going to pick up at the end in verse 63. Um, it says, Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. That's the first what if moment. What if he's right? 
What if he does what he says he's going to do? Have you ever had that conversation with a non-believer and they go, well, what if you're wrong? So what if I'm wrong? Mm -hmm. If I'm wrong, we're both okay. But if I'm right, one of us is in trouble and it ain't going to be me. Amen. Amen. There's a what if moment that happens. Even the guards are questioning, what if he does it? If he does it, we are in trouble. So here we go. Matthew 28, verse 2. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. Verse 6, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Verse 6, the resurrection happens. So verse 9, they start talking. Suddenly, Jesus met them. So you have the resurrection. Now they get a visual. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, where they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that happened. So the resurrection happens. They get a visual. Now the story is about to get out. So we're going to skip to verse 13. Telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. They had the what if moment again. But it happened. He did it. God raised him from the dead. The law had been fulfilled. The author and the finisher of our faith is proven as fact. So we're going to skip over to verse 19. This is where the Great Commission uh, gets given. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end. Verse 20, the gift of the Holy Spirit is given and remains with us to the end of the age. That's the account in Matthew. That's the story that we all know. So I wanted to change my own perspective on how I looked at this. Uh, I wanted to look at it from a different angle. Um, the story of Jesus being resurrected, that's, I call that the resurrection. That's the story we all know. But I want to focus on the resurrection and what happens. So if you have faith in Jesus, you believe in his resurrection, believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit has been given and it is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, you yourself will be resurrected. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 18. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we are still alive, and our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen. Some of you say that's a no-brainer, right? Mm. That's New Testament. That's post-resurrection. Um, most of it is. But we're going to go all the way to the front just to show you that it's mentioned quite a bit more often than we think. Uh, Genesis 22. We're going to start in verse 2. Then God said, Take your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering 
on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So you can ask, which son? Everybody knows Isaac. Everybody knows this story. Which son is that? Well, I'm going to tell you which son that is. That's the son that God promised Abraham he would have. That same son God promised him he would have in his old age. That same son that's going to come from a barren woman. That same son that the seed line of every nation would be produced by. That son that would have as many descendants as the stars in the sky. That's scriptural. That son. That's the son that God's telling Abraham to go sacrifice. So we're going to keep on going. We're going to march down to verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. So Abraham had been obedient even up to this point his entire life. And because of his obedience and his faith in God's promise of who this son was going to be, he knew one of two things was about to happen. Either God would intervene, or he is literally about to witness the resurrection of his own son. Amen. And in verse 5, either way, we will go worship, and we will come back. That word we, the second one, that's the only thing that I have highlighted in my Bible in that verse is we. Abraham knew we were coming back down that mountain either way. So we are going to jump back into New Testament again. There's these holes that I was telling you all about. We're going to kind of discuss some of these. This is where they would be if what happens today doesn't happen. So I want to break down the importance of what this is. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 22. Pay close attention to how important today actually is going to be. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. Y'all think this is pretty important so far? For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him. In fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope. There's that word again. In Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But... Here's the but. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. We are born into sin naturally through Adamic blood. But because of the blood of Jesus, we enter a new covenant, that covenant of grace. And somewhere along your walk, two things are going to happen by God's timing. You're going to hear a message of grace, and you're going to catch a revelation of what the cross truly means. And when those two things line up, be prepared because your world is about to change. Yeah. 
And I want it for everybody in this room. And it doesn't have to be today, but it's going to happen sooner or later. So the covenant of grace, because of the covenant of grace, the law is no more. The law wasn't abolished. The law was fulfilled. That same law that God knew couldn't be kept, so he knew we needed a Savior. A man that knew no sin took your place on the cross the Son of God, whom he poured his wrath out on. To end there would be a pretty dark story. And that's kind of like our walk. It's not always rainbows and sunshine. There's trials, there's tribulations, there's trials on the mountains, and then there's trials in the valleys of the valley. Um, Scripture doesn't say if we face trials. It says when we face trials. It's going to happen. So, we're going to stand trial even in our faith. Luke gives a, a glimpse of that in Acts 23, 6. Paul speaking, it says, Knowing that some of, some of them were Sadducees and the other Pharisees called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee, descended from Pharisees. But I stand trial because of the hope, there's that word again, of the resurrection of the dead. So I'm going to give you my own glimpse of what this resurrection and how important it is. I looked up the antonyms, and for those of you English majors, that's the opposite um, of what the antonyms of, of re- the word resurrection are. This is just a few. Now, when I look these up, this, is, uh, this was no biblically-backed application for your phone. This was no Christian-based website. This is just a standard thesaurus. Here we go. I want you to catch some of these. Ruin, destruction, doom, annihilation, downfall, and finally, everlasting death. Does that paint a picture? If it doesn't, I'm about to paint one for you. Revelation 20. So we've gone from Genesis, and we're going to end in Revelation. Revelation 20, verse 4 through 6, says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years had ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. But they will be priests of God in Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Jump over to verse 12. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I want to see your name in that book. It's our job to make sure that your name is in that book. There's only one way, and that's faith in Jesus. But there's hope, and that hope comes with this. Hart mentioned earlier about this looks a lot different than it did last year. We didn't even get to come. There was a 15-minute cap. 
we abided by the governing authority and we stayed home and we watched it online uh, like most of you did. There's an interesting statistic that after the first outbreak of COVID, within that first month, 9,000 churches in the United States established some form of online presence. You don't think the gospel was trying to get out then? Mm -hmm. It's no different. The only thing that looks different is maybe we got to celebrate yesterday. We got to have an Easter egg hunt. We're going to get to fellowship today. Satan's got no staying power. Amen. He couldn't pull this off for a year. So 50 years down the road, when you're telling your grandkids a story about what 2020 looked like, they won't know. But the story of today stays the same. Amen. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the holding power of the story of the resurrection. I'm going to let you close it out, buddy. I don't know if I can follow that. Good luck. Right? <laughs> you make me look bad, you know? Not only, you're like six foot four, you know? I'm like five foot ten. You just, you, just like you tower over me on top of that, man. It's kind of intimidating. Just a little bit. But you know, I bet David felt a little intimidated too, you know? <laughs> man. Okay, I can't follow that. So I'm just going to bring it up with this. I told you guys that we would go back to Judas, Barabbas, the people at the Via Della Rosa as they were spitting and mocking and, at Jesus and, and, and then the two men on the cross that were next to Jesus. Those people were not just in biblical stories. Those people represent us that's who we are I want you to think about it think about Judas betrayed him how many times have y'all betrayed Jesus Barabbas was chosen in, to have freedom instead of Jesus how many times has Jesus stepped up for us and allowed our freedom those people that mocked Jesus and cussed at him in the streets. How many times have y'all how many times have y'all said that cuss word that starts with his name? The two thieves on the cross. You've got one who denied him. You've got one who loved him. Me and Bo have talked about this before. I did a big study a year ago as I prepared for the Easter sermon last year that none of y'all got to see unless you watched it online. Fifteen people did, though. It was pretty good, wasn't it, Z? Like, I thought it was pretty good. Thank you very much. I did a big study. What are the names of those two men? There's got to be record somewhere. Can't find it in the Bible. They were nameless. There's certain historians that say this was a name and this was a name, but there is no factual record of their names. So I spent time on my knees praying, God, what is their names? I feel he wouldn't leave me alone with it. Like I gotta know what these what their names were. And he finally gave me the answer. And he said, Their name is Micah. Your name is Bojo.
Their name is Hannah. Their name is Mason. Their name is Don. Their name is Randy. Their name is Kirby. Their name is Cheryl. Y'all get where I'm going here? Those two thieves on the cross, that's why there's no names in there. Insert your name. Which thief are you? Are you the one that denied him? Are you the one that loves him and is going to live in eternity walking hand in hand with him? I want Jesus to be able to look at you today and say, today, you've made that commitment to walk with me in paradise. Amen? Grab a pen and paper. Get y'all to write this down. For those of y'all that are new here, I do this every single week. The members love it. I think of quotes. Last week I butchered it really bad. So bad. It was, so, it was evil. Like what I put, literally what I put on the screen was like evil. Like, and it was crazy. Like my spirit felt it. Like I started reading it. Hmm, that don't sound right. And, and then Bojo started laughing at me. But it, it, was, yeah, it was bad. But this week I got it. I double-checked it. Did you check it, Nick? Did, you did. It was okay? Okay, very good. Go ahead, Nick. Jesus didn't die on the cross to make us safe. He died on the cross to make us dangerous. I've said that a lot of times in different sermons. I figured, why not? Let's put it and write it down, right? Guys, that's the thing. Too many times we look at this from so many different angles. We think, well, okay, now I'm a Christian, and it's like I said, okay, guys, if you were the thief on the cross that said, I'm going to be with Jesus in eternity. So many people think, well, I'm done. I'm done there. Like, I've got, I'm, in turn, I'm in eternity with Jesus, right? I don't have to worry about anything else. I can still do what I want to do. I can, I can do the different things. I, I don't have to really change my heart. Yeah, you better. You better. Amen. For those of y'all that keep hearing this guy in the back and don't know him, that's Mikey P. Y'all turn around and look at Mikey P. Come on, Mikey. That's, that's right. Mikey is our outreach pastor here at the church. He does a phenomenal job. Real quick, yesterday he was at two or three Easter egg hunts, fed the homeless, and I mean, just, the guy's just amazing. He's absolutely amazing. So, Mikey, we love you, man. Thank you, brother. <laughs> love him. Absolutely love him. The guys, listen. Think about it. Which thief are you? If you're not sure which thief you are, today's the day to find out. 